0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Have you found Luke chapter 18 yet? I like that this is a missions revival. Missions is the heartbeat of the church. And when anything else replaces the impetus of the church, the church will soon die. That doesn't mean you won't have services. It doesn't mean that you won't assemble together and have programs. But Jesus won't be here. You find it in Revelation 3. He's standing at the door knocking, not to get inside somebody's heart, but to get inside a local New Testament church, a church that claims to be the church of Jesus Christ. And so it's imperative that we keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, <clears throat> in a minute, we're going to stand to read Luke 18 or read from there. But I want to take you to another passage of scripture. And in your mind's eye, if you can envision the Lord speaking with his church, his disciples. And he asked them to look at the fields. He says, they're white unto harvest. Now, what did he mean by that? I think this audience knows. He was using a a literal example to get them to think with their mind's eye yes. just like the fields of grain out here need to be harvested there are souls of men and women that are ready to be harvested yes, sir. right here right now yes sir and what that would imply is there are people that need to be saved tonight yes there's no shortage of that here in South Dakota. Right. There's no shortage around the world. The fields are white yes, unto harvest. But the truth of the matter is, we don't see that. Think with me for a moment. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think before you raise your hand. How many of you believe that Everybody has a soul. If you believe that, would you raise your hand? Can I help you a little bit? Every soul has a body. We instantly, the good book says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. And those of us that are saved, we need the eyes of God. Yes, sir. And we need to see people like He sees people. We check out people and we say, "Hey, he's he's old." Not if you're looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> you look at me and say, "Hey, he's cool." <laughs> Anybody that sports a mustache like that is all that. <laughs> we look at people and we say, "She's attractive." or he's handsome they're tall they're short they're old they're young and we've already come to an opinion about them based on the house in which they live and we don't care much more than that and that's why those words that Jesus said to his church still ring today look at the fields They're white. Yeah. People's lives are broken. People are hurting today. They're looking for any any joy, yes, any satisfaction they can get. Uh-huh. And we that name the name of Christ, Christ, we're experts at criticizing them for where they're looking for it, as if they know better. God says, I want you to see the fields are white. So what's he tell us to do? Go ye? Give ye? No. Pray ye. My heart was blessed to see how we started the meeting tonight. God said, my house shall be called the house of preaching. God said, my house shall be called the house of ministries or the house of music. No, God wants his house to be known for something, yes. for prayer. Yes, sir. yes, sir. yes sir. And yet many of our members, let's be honest and let's, let's level the playing field for all of us. Most of us spend less than an hour a week in prayer. You know why because we stink at it i like to golf you probably get to golf up here what two months that's why we go to florida in the winter i like to golf and i'll ask men from time to time do you like to golf they'll say no you know what that tells me they stink at it and then when they Add a few more words like, I'm not going to waste my time and my hard-earned money to chase a little ball across the cow pasture. That tells me he really stinks at it. <laughs> People tend to avoid that which they're not very successful at. that's true. And many of us have prayed many prayers that didn't get answered. And so we give up on prayer. Now, we'd never say that out loud. We'd all say, I believe in prayer. But if we checked out the lives of the members of our churches, it would leave a big question mark on whether or not we really believe in prayer. America is struggling tonight, but I want to encourage the church God doesn't need America he's going to be just a-okay but America needs God and the problem's not in the White House it never has been but it's in the church house and so a missions revival is very appropriate Ian Bounds said prayer can do anything God can do But very few people believe that. Because if we did, there would be members in our churches that would learn how to pray. If God can do anything God can do. Now, is that an exaggerated statement? Well, let's consider what Jesus said. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you sounds like prayer can do anything That's right. God can do Yes. but so few of us don't believe that right. Andrew Murray said and I'm going to read the quote so I don't miss it Andrew Murray said world missions is dependent on a revival of prayer in the church. Wow. Yeah. Folks, we're not gonna see anything miraculous by just being super disciplined people. You could double your faith promise, some of you could triple it if you would just manage your money better. And yet, that would not be a supernatural offering. That would just be something that you would be serious about. And we would be very grateful as every missionary would be grateful to get a raise and pay, have it raised three times, they would rejoice. But if we're going to have a revival of, if if World Missions is going to take a giant leap into the gates of hell, it'll be when there's a revival of, prayer in the church and so tonight I want to teach and preach a little bit on the subject of prayer knowing that if we that are gathered for the specific purpose of missions we will open our hearts up to God to whatever he teaches us on prayer and I hope and pray that God will not only teach you, but inspire you and motivate you to put into practice what we're going to learn from Scripture so that you can learn to pray and ask God for anything. Yea, even a miracle. And not only see it happen, but know it is going to happen. It can be done. It used to be done on a regular, I shouldn't say used to, it is being done around the globe, just not in America very often. We live in a country that is thought by our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world as a pseudo-Christianity. Because we don't suffer or sacrifice for anything. And revival's not gonna come with pocket change and spare time. It's when God's people will humble themselves. And that means admit that it's me that's holding back revival. See, most of us will say, yeah, the world needs revival. America needs revival. Even our church could use a little revival. But what they're saying is everybody else needs to change, not me. And that's why we're not going to see it. God's people will humble themselves. So let me teach a little bit tonight and preach. You say, what's the difference? Well, teach, I'll talk to you. Preach, I'll yell at you. You'll know the difference. But we are trusting to hear what the Spirit has to say to us tonight. Now, if you're able, would you please stand as we read from Luke chapter 18, commencing in verse number 35. And it came to pass that as he, that's Jesus now, that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried saying, Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood. And commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. I want to draw your attention, please, to five words in verse number 41. Lord, that I may receive. Typically, we preachers will give you a title and often single out a topic of the message. And and there's nothing wrong with that, but scripture can go far beyond what the pastor's got in mind. This is God speaking. But tonight we're going to focus on this thought of praying and trying to help the saints of God here to take their prayer life up a notch or two. To where you that are needing a miracle. And I have a hunch there are some in this room that if God doesn't do something miraculous, there is no hope. It might be in your marriage. It might be in your kids or your grandkids' families. It might be with your health. It might be in the health of the church. It might be for our missions outreach but I'm appealing to you good people here to learn to pray, to experience the power of God in your life. Yes. So let's title it this way. Pray ye. That's what Jesus said. Right. Good. Souls are needing help. Pray ye. And you'll know that your prayers are being answered when you see souls being saved. Come on. It's so hard to see people get saved in the 21st century. It's harder now than it's ever been. Oh, come on. It's never been easy. The power of the gospel has not lost its impotence, but the church has. Mm, And we're being trodden under by the foot of men. Mm -hmm. And until God's people learn to pray, (laughs) seek his face, turn from their wicked ways, there's no hope, not for our country, for your kids, your grandbabies. And there'll come a day, you'll get a text on a WhatsApp app. Pray for us. As the 17 missionaries in 80 sent this week. That'll be your kids. That'll be your grandkids. And you're going to feel helpless. Because you don't know how to pray. So let's take action tonight. You all in? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You good for whatever? Yes. Father, bless the message tonight. We love you. And I pray for the soul that's one heartbeat from hell. I pray that he or she would be saved tonight or certainly before it's eternally too late. Now, would you teach him, help us to learn how to pray? In Jesus' name amen. You may be seated. Let me point out five things. Now, don't look at your clock, and if I'm only on point one at 1030 tonight, I know better. I know to stop by 1030, and we'll pick up tomorrow, so, but I will tell you, for those of you that hang on to the end, I always say the best for last, and I know what's coming, and <laughs> You're going to enjoy the last point for sure, so hang with me. Let's look at the first thought we can see from this blind man. <clears throat> Here's a blind man. He's sitting on his front porch. I don't know where he's sitting, but obviously he, he's, he's sitting at a point where he, he hears a multitude. And if you understand the geography of the Middle East, you can hear sounds a good, a good piece down the road. And he hears noise coming and he makes it out that it is a group of people and realizing that it's a large group of people. And he asks, what's this all about? And somebody tells him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, folks, it doesn't say in the text, but the truth of the matter is this blind man must have been taught the Old Testament scriptures. So then faith cometh by Hearing and hearing by word of God. the Word of God. He was taught the Old Testament scriptures. He knew of the coming Messiah. He knew of the coming promised one. And he believed that the time was approaching. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he cried out to him Jesus, thou son of David! Yeah. That was the promised one. Right. That was the Messiah. And I want to point out, first of all, in your prayer life and in my prayer life, if we want to pray for a miracle, if we want to see our prayers get answered, we must, first of all, pray with passion. We must pray with passion. He cried. And the good book says he cried with a loud voice. You look it up in the dictionary. The word cry means to raise a strong, high voice imploring help there was passion in this man's soul and let's be honest one problem we have in our prayer lives is too much insincere praying the need is sincere it's a sincere need it's a sincere desire but our heart attitude is without any passion. And so many of us, we have our Christianity down to, to just a, almost like a stamping plat, a plant and putting out automobiles. We've got everything. We're just so machine oriented. If I just get up and have my 10-minute Devo and pray for my 30 requests, done. God's pleased with me. It's going to be a good day today. And you know what God calls this kind of Praying. Vain repetitions. Right. Yes, sir. You're thinking, you're uttering words that are true, but there's no heart in it. And you know what I've learned? I've learned that even us old folks, you would think someone that's been walking with Jesus for five decades, they would be able to call fire down from heaven but I found it, old folks are some of the worst prayers and some of the best. But I'm saying it's easy for those of us who've been saved a while to pray insincere prayers. You know why? Because we know the routine. We know the words. We know how to to word a prayer to where it sounds good to others and sounds good to us and we think sounds good to God. We even know the verses to quote to God in case he forgot. (laughs) And we pray prayers without passion. Someone said prayer must mean something to us if it's going to mean anything to God. We must pray with passion. And when we don't pray with passion, we're not being honest. We're not being honest with God. Honest praying, sincere praying has feeling with our innermost being erupting. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, circle the next word, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Half-hearted praying does not find miracles. But God loves us way too much to just let us go through life without at least trying to motivate us to pray with passion. And so he allows this thing, this four-letter word to come into our life. It's called pain, We heard your preacher state already. God is in charge. God is sovereign. Could God stop every problem that has come into your life? Sure he can. Uh But he allows it. Why? All things work together for good to them that love God. Didn't say all things work good. But God allows it because he can work it together for good in your life. And what kind of good is that? Verse 29 says he wants to conform you to the image of his dear son. He wants you to be shaped to be like Christ. Uh He allows pain. You tend to pray with passion when you're hurting financially. You tend to pray with more passion when your family's hurting. You tend to pray with more passion if you are suffering from a deadly disease. Are you listening? God wants us to pray with passion. When's the last time you wept for souls to be saved? It's a fair question, isn't it? When's the last time you wept for God to send soul winners? You know why we don't? Because we're afraid he'll ask us to be one of them. Mm, Which, by the way, everyone that's following Christ goes fishing. And if you're not fishing, you're not following. The reason we don't follow close enough to be fish is because we fail in our prayer life. That's another story, but examine the life of Peter the night before Christ was crucified. When's the last time we prayed for missionaries, more missionaries? When's the last time you wept over how much you could give? God, I, I want to give more. I think of the missionaries you have here, Man, I'll never forget the kitchens. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. It's not to cook, but to take everything that has been cooked and anything that looks good and tastes good that hasn't been cooked. To go to Germany to minister to our forces that are defending our freedom and our nation. When's the last time someone... Wept over the Barlows to Slovenia. Why, well, hardly even know them. You ought to get to know them in prayer. Amen. That's how we get to know about others. We talk about each other to our friends, don't we? We embellish the little that we do know about them to our friends, hoping to get some information out of them. Pray for your missionaries, talk to God about them. People do what they want to do. And Christians that don't pray, it's not because they don't believe in it. They know they should. They just don't want to. My dad used to say, prayer is the hardest work I know. And that's why many of us excuse ourselves from it. I'm just saying that we ought to pray passionately. And God allows us to be hurt to help motivate us. I've noticed over the years of pastoring and being in ministry, people tend to respond to hurt one of two ways. They either hate habitually or they pray passionately. You'd be surprised how many of God's servants are motivated not from prayer, but from hate. They've been hurt. Now, they'll make themselves feel better thinking that they hate sin. But in reality, it's poison. It's bitterness that they're mingling with the truth, and it drives them. I'm just saying, you want to pray for a miracle and see it happen? Pray with passion. Then secondly, second thought I'll give you. We need to pray with persistence. Don't quit praying. You keep praying passionately until God performs the miraculous. Look in verse 39. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but he cried so much the more. Folks, I would have been, I would have been one of the disciples that would have went up to him and said, hush it up. Shh. I like organization. I can't help it. Um, I'm not OCD, I'm just right (laughs) all the time. And I think I had a lot to plan for if this happens, this happens, this happens, ready to go. And if somebody tries to interrupt the service, I've got a plan on what to do. And I would have been one of those that would have, if someone would have been crying out in the middle of the service, Oh, God. I'd say, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. I'll let you know when the invitation is. This isn't the time to pray. This is the time to hear me. I'll tell you when the sermon's done, then we'll pray. I've had that happen numerous times in our church where I'm preaching away and people start coming to the altar. And I'm going to tell you, it's very distractive. And it doesn't speed up the sermon. It lengthens it because you're throwing me off my rhythm And I'm thinking, what are they coming forward for, for crying out loud? (laughs) So I can understand the disciples saying, hey, knock it off. Don't you know Jesus is in the midst? He's going to be speaking pretty soon. But he prayed so much the more. He was persistent. We have way too many Christians that have prayed for something and it's it's justifiable it's biblical you've got biblical grounds but you can't wait mm-hmm. so you've already got plan b and plan c you've already got someone else picked out because your marriage doesn't look like it's going to make it wow go ahead you've already got another place to go because your church isn't going to cater to your desires and rather than waiting, see God do something miraculous. You move on and do what you want to do. Help us, yes. Sir. I'm saying if you want to pray for a miracle and see God perform it, you may need to pray with passion and pray with persistence. The good book says continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving a man came to me once after service and said preacher why do I need to keep praying for the same thing has God got a short memory he doesn't remember well my first reply is because he said so Uh and if God said so that ought to be good enough for us I remember when I was a senior in high school, my dad came to me and said, Bruce, I I need you to go out and mow the lawn. I've had a busy week. I need you to go and mow the lawn for me. And I said, wait, I'm a senior in high school. You're asking me to mow the grass? Dad, I'm a senior in high school. I work at Arby's 50 hours a week. That's a full-time job and I'm going to high school. Dad, look at me. Does it look like I need to lose weight? I'm in perfect shape. Have you noticed my sisters lately? They need an exercise program. Why don't you ask them to mow the grass? Never once did I even think that. Not for the reasons you didn't. I had too much love and respect for my dad because he did appreciate the fact that I worked 50 hours a week. He did appreciate the grade average that I was maintaining in high school. He did appreciate what I was doing in the youth department since he was a church planter. And the fact that he would ask me to mow the grass, he being a perfectionist, It was a joy to do that. And if I can do that for my earthly father, why would it be so difficult to do that for my heavenly father? But God never asks us to do something without good reason. You know, when we pray persistently, it shows God what we really want. And you just be persistent in your prayer life and you trust God, he will do the miraculous. Let me tell you a story and we'll go home. We had a lady in our church, her name was Joy. And she was the personification of her name. If there was a joyful person on the planet, it was Joy, Joy Landreth. And I say that because the story I'm going to tell you, you might come to a false conclusion about her. She was a joyful lady. Now, she was an elderly woman. uh, And, you know, elderly women are elderly. (laughs) She was probably in her 60s. (laughs) But, you know, I was in my 30s then. And, you know, when you're 30, anyone over 40 looks like they're making reservations at the cemetery. I mean, it's just the way it is. And now I'm making reservations at the cemetery and looking at tombstones. Which one do you want, dear? I like that one. So we're going to have two of them, her and mine. So can't agree on that one. But Joy, I mean, she was like the Pied Piper in our church. The children loved her. When she walked in, the kids would just flock to her. I mean, everyone loved her. And so when I started pastoring and taking over the church, on Wednesday night we had a custom that I'd stand up and say, anybody have any comments, questions, or testimonies? And Joy, that very first Wednesday night stood up and she said, Pastor Humbert, I need someone to pray for my husband, Willard. He's a mean old man. He needs God in his life. He needs to get saved. Now folks, I never once, and I've been in church since I was eight years old, I never once ever heard anyone stand up in church and ask for someone to pray for their mate because they were a mean old man. I'm telling you right here, right now, if I'd say to you folks, could I get someone to pray for Lori, my wife? She's a mean old woman. (laughs) That would be the last public prayer request I will ever make. And so when Joy said that, I could feel the blood just going up into my head and and the people, they didn't know. Some of my deacons, they're snickering to see what I'm going to do. I'm telling you, I could have choked all of them. And and I said, uh, Joy, yeah, yeah, sure. Could I get someone to pray for Willard? Willard needs to get saved could I get someone to pray for Willard I couldn't get one stinking member to raise their hand they were leaving me to hang out there by myself so finally in desperation I said okay Lee uh, Lee, you pray pray for Willard and then someone told me later Lee wasn't even in church so Willard didn't get any prayer that night the next Wednesday night uh, anybody have any comments questions or testimonies And Joy stood up, and as soon as she did, I thought, no, not again. Sure enough, she said, Pastor Humbert, I need someone to pray for my husband, Willard. He's a mean old man. He needs God in his life. He needs to get saved. I said, come on, folks, you know, Joy, I'm, I'm feeling bad for her and what people are thinking about her. And you know, Joy, she's, she just loves the Lord. She's happy. She's, we all know her. She's just a wonderful church member. The kids all love her, and she's got a burden for her husband. Can I get someone to pray for her husband? Not one person raised their hand. This time I saw Lee in the room, and I said, Lee, would you pray for Willard? Yeah, You. So the next week, I was at the front door of the church waiting for Joy to come. Joy came. I said, hi, Joy. could I ask you a question? Did Willard get saved this week? No. Oh, so you would like uh, somebody to pray for Willard because he needs to get saved. Yeah, he's a mean old man. I, I know he needs God in his life. Okay, I'll take care of that tonight. So when I got up, I said, now, folks, before we get into comments, questions, or testimonies, I got to speak with Joy a little bit, and she still has a great burden for her husband, Willard, to be saved. Could I get someone to uh, pray for Willard tonight? I had 15 hands go up, you hypocrites. (laughs) All those people raised their hand, and Joy stood up, and she nearly cried. She said, I know several are praying for Willard but I need the whole church to pray for Willard. He's a mean old man. He needs God in his life. He needs to get saved. So the next morning, I said, "I'm going to go see Willard. I can't take this anymore, and I'm going to win him to Christ." I went over to their house. They lived in Homewood, Illinois, and. I went into his living room, and Joy left us, and I sat and chatted with him, and you know what? We hit it off. You know, Joy was right. He was a mean old man, but I liked him. (laughs) I mean, it was like we, we were buddies, man. I mean, he was older than me, but I liked him, and he had the same philosophy of life and work and politics, and he was very conservative, and he could say things with words that... I'm not allowed to use, to <laughs> emphasize. And, you know, I just thought, man, I like this guy's passion. I, I, we hit it off. And, and then I realized, whoa, I'm not here to make a friend. I'm here to witness to him. And so I said, Willard, I, I just wanted to ask you about your soul. It, it, do you know God? If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And folks, I'm not making this up. We were having a great conversation we were both laughing, enjoying one another's company. And as soon as I asked him about his eternal destiny, it's like he got shot in the face with Botox. I mean, just numb. Not mad, not sad, nothing, just nothing. And I'm, I'm a young pastor, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I blew it. He's going to tell Joy, and Joy's going to get up and tell the whole church next week. <laughs> I said, Willard, Willard, uh, man, I I hope I didn't offend you. Oh, my word, look what time it is. I'll tell you what, I'll come back and see you another time. And so I left the house. And sure enough, the next Wednesday night, we got a prayer request for Willard. It wasn't but a couple months later, Joy calls me and said, Pastor, would you go see Willard? He's in the hospital. I said, sure thing. I love hospital visits. You've got a captive audience. They're not going anywhere fast. So I went to the hospital and went in the room and we chatted and we laughed a little bit. And I said, Willard, the other day I felt like I offended you and I certainly didn't mean to offend you, but I'm concerned about your soul. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? And again, that dead look on his face. And he got up out of his bed and he grabbed that pole that's on wheels. Have you ever been? You know, I'm talking about they got these little plastic bags with juices that. They're sending into your arms, and I don't know what it is. It's probably diet caffeine-free Pepsi, I hope. And so they're they're feeding him intravenously, and and he pulls that thing, and he's walking to the bathroom, and his gown is flapping in the wind. I didn't need to see any of that. And he goes into the bathroom, and he shuts the door. Didn't say anything, just shuts the door. I waited 30 minutes. He won. I left. So see you, Willard. See you another time. And I thought, my word, he's not in the elect. He's predestined. I can't help him. And I'm predestined to hear his wife every Wednesday night. It wasn't a month later, Joy called me and said, preacher, Willard's back in the hospital. Would you go and see him? I said, now, now I actually have a busy day. I know church people wonder what their preacher does all week. We got the best gig going. I mean, we work one day a week and we wear, rake in the big bucks. People come up to us, well, what do you do all week? And I, I got to a point where I got tired of hearing that nonsense. I said, well, I go shopping. <laughs> you guys give me so much money on Sunday, it takes six days to spend it all. <laughs> and I come and work another day and get another boatload, you moron. <laughs> but I had a full schedule that day. I mean, I had my hours appointments all set and Joy, Pastor Humbert, I need you to go visit. I need you to go visit Willard. I just know God is gonna save him this morning. And I said, Joy, Joy, let me. I can't go. I'm busy. Pastor, I need you to go now. Willard, I just believe God's gonna save him now. But Joy, you don't understand. I really am busy. I just can't cancel everybody else out. And 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 run for you, I'll tell you what, I'll plan to go and see him first thing tomorrow. No, Pastor, I need you to go see him now. Click. And she hung up. And I'm just a young preacher. I'm thinking, I'm tired of being the nice guy all the time. Everyone just orders Brucie around the house and tells me what to do, and I have to take it, or they're gonna leave. Or start spreading rumors. I'm a lousy pastor and I don't care. I'm tired of this. So I called and canceled the other appointments and I'm driving down to South Suburban Hospital, Kedzie Avenue, and, and I'm, dr- I'm mad the whole way there. I'll tell you what, when I get there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to Willard. No more nicey-nicey, brucy woosy with him, man. <laughs> I'm a pre tell hot and he's going there. I can't wait. I got in there, and I didn't expect to see her, but there was joy. Oh, Pastor! And she's, you know, from the South. You know what Southerners do? They got to hug you. So I stand there and let her do her thing. Get that out of your system. And then... Oh, Pastor, I'm just so glad you're here. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm going to go witness to Will. I just know he's going to get saved today. Pastor, would you pray? No, I've been praying the whole way here. I'm ready. No, I just want you to pray. Why don't you pray for us? No, I want you to pray. Okay, I'll pray. You know, it's hard to pray when you're mad. And I'm trying to pray a prayer that is acceptable to her so she doesn't know how mad I am. But I am ticked. And dear God, God laughs at me. <laughs> Come on, big boy, let's hear what you got to say. And so in my prayer, I'm getting my heart right with God, too. Yeah, right. You say, how does that happen? I don't know. But I know I'm getting my heart right. And praying a prayer that would be pleasant for her to hear. But crying from my heart to God to help me and forgive me. Yes, sir. Yep. I walked to the elevator and by the time I got up to his floor, I was upset again. Now don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm upset and I think, man, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm going to preach it at him. And I walked in the room I said, hey, Willard, how's it going? forget I said that. I didn't come here to see how's it going. I came here to ask you if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And I want to talk to you about getting saved. Is that okay with you? He said, yes, sir. Wow. Well, that ticked me off. (laughs) Because I thought, now he's just trying to speed this up to get me out of there. I said, Willard, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Do you know what that means? There's no one that does right, not even you, big boy. Do you understand that? He said, yes. I said, the good book says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you've sinned. Your best efforts are going to fall short of Jesus Christ. You are not a perfect man. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. And every time he said yes, sir, it just aggravated me. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for your sin, for my sin. That's because the wages of sin is death. Because you're a sinner, you deserve to go to hell. I deserve to go to hell. That's why Jesus died for me. Because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you believe that, Willard? Yes, sir. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth... Confession is made unto salvation. Willard, do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ died for your sins? Yes, sir. Do you know that if, he, if you call on him, he will save you? Yes, sir. Well, the Bible says, for whosoever, Willard, that includes you. Yes. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Said, so do you believe that? He said, Yes, sir, I do. I thought my word. He just wants me out of here. Folks, forgive me, and I'm not trying to be funny. I was so upset, I went back and started all over on Romans 3.10. I wanted to make sure he got it. I went through the Romans road three times. And after the third time, God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think he's got it. I said, "Willard, you want to ask Jesus to save you?" Yes, sir. Amen. I said, well, "I'm gonna pray for you." And normally, I help people pray, but he was old enough; he had hurt his wife. And I said, and "Then, Willard, when I'm done, you just pray and ask God to save you." But pray out loud so I can hear it. I'd like to be able to give testimony. I prayed for him. Then Willard prayed, and he nearly—he nearly wept. He was broke. He asked God to save him. Yes, sir. Amen. I was so out of sorts with God. I was so much like Jonah. Mm. I didn't get to enjoy the very soul that I got to lead to Christ. I left the room and went downstairs, and there's Joy. Oh, Pastor! Did he get saved? I just know God was working in him. And normally I'd say, praise God, he got saved. That's what I normally say. I said, he prayed the sinner's prayer. And she's rejoicing and praising God. And I'm thinking, yeah, we'll see if it's real. I leave the hospital on Wednesday night service. I Anybody have any comments, questions or testimonies? Joy raised her hand.: Yes, sir. She stood up and she wept. My husband, Willard God save. For the first time in 35 years, he told me he loved me. He's been reading his Bible every day. He's a changed man. And I just want to give praise to God for saving my husband, Willard. And I just want to say publicly how much I appreciate our pastor. We're so blessed to have a soul-winning pastor. Went to the hospital to show Willard how to be saved. And I want you to know, while standing before those people, her pastor felt about this big. I've led hundreds of people to Christ. Christ. I'm not bragging, I'm just stating a fact. And I write their names in the back of my Bibles, the date they got saved and the date they get baptized if they stay in our area and we get to baptize them. Hundreds, I won't say how many, hundreds. In the back of Bible number three, you'll read Willard J. Landreth. He's in heaven tonight. Amen. But he's not in heaven because Bruce Humbert is such a great soul winner. He's in heaven because he had a wife that prayed passionately and prayed persistently. Yes, sir. Amen. Now, I want to ask you a question. Those of you who have been saved and you have a, a mediocre prayer life, How did Joy know God was going to save Willard that morning? Some of you might think, well, she might have had a little Pentecostal blood in her. She's been hanging out with the Charismatics. Have you ever read church history? Some of the great men and women of God, the prayer warriors always Sense when God is about to move. But we're living in a generation in a pseudo-Christianity nation, a Disneyland Christianity that can tell you the starting lineup of their favorite sporting team, but they can't tell you the 12 disciples' names or the eight Beatitudes or the Ten Commandments, and spend less than an hour a week in prayer. And many pray only before they eat. If we're going to see anything miraculous happen, it's when God's people humble themselves and Pray. Pray with passion from the inner core of your being. Pray with persistence. Pray without ceasing. And I'll give you a, a few more thoughts the next two nights that if we could get a, a group in here that would just commit. I know not everybody's going to. I understand that. Everybody's going to agree that it's needed. But I'm looking for a core that will make a date with God. Yes. When are you going to start this new prayer life? When are you going to start praying 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour? Where? Where? People do what they want to do and they plan to do what they want to do. Truth is, most churches are so well organized that we can have church without the presence and power Mm. of God. And there's no life change. And we condemn the entertainment crowd and the other denominations. But I'm talking about independent, fundamental, narrow-minded, King James only, red-letter edition, Baptist churches that are so well organized. We have church and quite frankly, we like it but no miracles. The miracles that are performed are usually a result of someone else praying and we actually jump on the bandwagon. Oh, well, I've been praying about that. What they mean is, I thought about it. Or I heard the need. But they haven't been praying. If we're going to have a revival in missions and turn this world upside down. Folks, it can happen. Yes, sir. Really can. Yes. We're going to need some people that will learn to pray. Yes. I know we've already had an invitation. That's good. But you know, a characteristic of a house of prayer is they tend to pray a lot. Yes, sir. I think it'd be appropriate for every one of God's children whether you're a member of this church or not, you know whereof I speak, and you know I speak the truth. We are lacking the power of God. Yes, sir. And I'm asking each and every one of you, when we stand to our feet and the instrumentalists come, we won't sing, we'll just have music conducive for prayer. And let's pray for a miracle this week.